Yeah, and like I know some contractors who they they're like, I don't advertise at all. I don't even have a sign on my truck. You know, plumbing contractor, tile contractor. They're just like, you just do good work and put it out there, and you'll get calls. And I 100% agree with that. That's the voice of Mike Ranger. We'll hear from him and his wife and business partner, Michelle Ranger, right after a quick word from our sponsors. Introducing Astra HP, the newest high-performance innovation in cutting-edge technology from bits and bits. Let me tell you what's new about it. It's incredibly thin, measuring at just 0.3 microns. It's also tougher than ever with an impressive 5,000 Vickers hardness. And it's specially designed to reduce friction and heat buildup, leading to cleaner cuts and longer tool life. Available now on all their newest spiral CNC bits and router bits. So if you want to check it out yourself, go to bitsbits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Mike and Michelle Ranger, owners of Ranger Home Northwest. By focusing on a commitment to their brand, a commitment to their skills, and a commitment to each other, Mike and Michelle have been able to rapidly grow in an industry that is relatively new to them both. While respecting the tradition of furniture making, they are building a brand in the digital marketing age, allowing them to reach clients and to expand their company in a way that would have been unheard of only a few years ago. So follow along as we talk about how to grow with your pricing, working together as a couple, learning as you go, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Mike and Michelle's story in their own words. When we first bought our house, we were young. I don't remember how old we were, but we were youngsters (laughs) in our early 20s. And the first thing we did is we uh, painted the kitchen cabinets. And (laughs) that was quite an experience for us. so bad. Uh, And then from there, it trickled into like, we should redo the floor. And we should, now that the floor looks nice, now we got to change the trim. And uh, since we did that, we might as well change the doors, you know. So we did our first light remodel, you know, only a year or two into our marriage. Um, And it went decently well. And then we had some kids and realized how small our house was. And we're like, well, maybe we could, you know, put an addition on the house. Yeah. Um, so a friend of ours recommended a contractor that's a good friend of his. And we talked to him and he's like, yeah, we could definitely put like 500 square feet onto the front of your house. And then we could convert the, the two car garage. And, you know, then we got an extra thousand square feet on our little 1000 square foot house. Um, but so, after drywall, we realized we don't have enough money to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> None of the, you know, trim work, the floor. And that's when Mike really came in. Yep. So that's when we were like, okay, we're going to take this on and we'll see what we can do. So um, we started with the siding. We put the siding up on the whole front of the house. And I've never done siding before. Um, so our, our, our contractor, Doug, he gave me a couple tips and turned me loose and we did the whole front of the house and it turned out really nice. Michelle designed the layout, um, the way she she did it. We did some board and batten and then we did some lap and then she did some shake up top and it looks beautiful. And we've got all of our, all of our, uh, neighborhood drives by and they're like, wow, your guys' house, what color did you pick? (laughs) I just sketched it on paper. basically. Uh, so that was a pretty big first project. Um, and then it, then it, we came inside and we started, you know, did the floor and the trim. Um, 
But the biggest thing was our built-ins. We had this big fireplace and two empty spots. And I remember saying like, Mike, we can't afford anybody to build these for us at the time. And so he's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, how? (laughs) Well, it's kind of like Michelle's like, you should build them. I'm like, well, I don't know how to build them. I was like, well, we have to. (laughs) Yeah, we have to. And so we, uh, she came up with what she wanted it to look like. And then I think I bought like a book on how to build built-ins or something and kind of got some ideas in there. And we went and got some (laughs) plywood. And I remember thinking, wow, plywood's expensive. Like, you know, back then it was like $65 a sheet. (laughs) Which yeah. it'd be nice if it was at that price nowadays. Um, and uh, I remember cutting up the first pieces like, man, I sure hope I don't mess these up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then after uh, we finished those, you know, people started commenting on them and saying, like, even the painter that we had paint him, he's like, do you do this for a living, Mike? And so I think the more people that saw him and encouraged him mm-hmm. were like, oh, yeah. you know, I love to design. He loves to build and it kind of just started there, I would say. Yeah, that's kind of like the first inklings of like, oh, maybe maybe I could make stuff. Um, and then a couple of years went by and uh, the live edge slab was kind of cool at that time. And I finally convinced Michelle to let me build a live edge slab um, <laughs> for our office. Um, and so we went on Father's Day and we found this beautiful maple live edge slab and uh, took the kids and had a great time finding it. And uh, I built that, put that together, loved how it turned out. And it's funny, her sister saw it. And then she was like, hey, do you think you could build me a table? And I was like, well, sure, I've never built one, but yeah, we <laughs> could make a table. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so built this cool table that she had in mind and uh, we delivered it. And then Michelle's like, you know what? You need some built-ins on this huge wall that you have. And I look at Michelle and I'm like, really? Like, you just finished this table. <laughs> And the wall is huge. So he knew these are going to be massive built-ins. And I'm like, why not? Like, let's try it. And I would say that's when we first really worked together on a project. And we thought, okay, we installed it together and it went well. We, you know, designed and built it together. And we're like, huh, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to start your furniture making experimenting on your own house rather than somebody else's. Yes. Because we all know it's a lot less stressful to have the learning pains on your own projects rather than for, let's say, paying clients. But after those first few projects, you kept getting compliments and it moved quickly out of your house and into friends and family's houses. And Pretty soon you started thinking that maybe you could expand this and do it for people who you didn't know for sums of money. Yes. Now, I'm going to put a little asterisk on this whole conversation saying that you are both part-time with this. Even though you put a lot of your effort into it, you do both have full-time jobs. But after friends and family – Yeah building for friends and family, you started to build for other people who didn't know you. And the furniture making became less of a, this is just a fun thing that I'm doing on my nights and weekends and turned into, this could actually be a real profession that we both do together. When was the first time you thought, this is something that we could do professionally? I think... 
I would say after we did those built-ins for my sister, I started telling some good friends of ours and um, they seemed really interested, like, you know, we need a contractor. We need somebody to come in and build us some things and showing them pictures. And then one thing led to another and it was like, there's a real need, you know, in our part of Washington state that people need a interior designer and a carpenter. And so we're that was probably it. Yeah, we kind of just saw that we both had different gifts and skills and we'd always kind of had a dream or, you know, a joke of a dream like, <laughs> oh, maybe someday we could like, you know, Work do together. remodels and like fix up houses and make them look cool, you know, and um, we didn't know that that dream was close as it was. We just kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know, maybe now's the time to try it. And we both, you know, we prayed about it and we both agreed like, hey, let's go for it let's let's see if let's put you know get a business license and put everything together and and put it out there and and see if we get people that um want to hire us and one of our first uh first projects was for a good friend of ours and they wanted to redo how their master closet and bathroom was so we uh we went over there and did that project and they're like hey well we want to put some built-ins in and we're an like, island. We're like, okay, cool. And then they wanted an island because they were kind of hitting some key point, key places in their house where they were doing some remodeling. And so, yeah, they hired us to do three jobs. And we're like, wow, this is really cool. And, you know, it was a little bit intimidating, like taking on pretty <laughs> pretty big projects right out of the gate. Um, and we also, that's when we started taking pictures and started our social media or Instagram. Yeah. And yep. people's feedback was so great and so encouraging. And we're like wow, people actually like our stuff. Like we might know what we're doing a little bit. <laughs> um, and so that gave us some good motivation to kind of keep, you know, keep going. So that actually was really close, really soon after you started building that the wheels started turning that maybe a furniture making company could be a real thing for the both of you. I have two questions about that. Both are pretty much related to each other. The first is, how did you get over the fear of starting to build furniture for other people? And the second, with so little actual hands-on experience in the field, how were you confident that the furniture you were building and people were paying you for was actually any good? We've always um, just kind of jumped into those projects starting out early for ourselves. And it, that kind of got us over that initial fear of, can we do it? It's like, we're going to do it and we have to and make it happen. And then Mike is so meticulous. Like when he builds something, it has to be, you know, perfect for him in his eyes too. Yeah. And so we kind of put that pressure on ourselves. Like if this was in our home, would we think it was perfect? Absolutely. And you know, that, that can be hard at times on yourself, Yeah. but it does help us to produce a quality item that people love. And I think that really motivates us too. Absolutely. Speaking to like the experience part and like knowing, you know, are we going to be able to do a good job? Are we going to create good stuff? I think what, what we had to do is draw on the experience that we did have. And one of the things that's been a theme over my entire life is I believe it is a gift from God that um, he's given me to figure things out. So a huge part of my job for the company I work for is they propose a project like, hey, Mike, we want to do X, Y, or Z, but we have no idea how to do it. Can you do it? 
And most <laughs> of the time, it's just me saying, yeah, I'll figure out a way to do it. And so one, a couple of those things are, we need to buy all these machines. They're all broken. We need you to rebuild them. And I'm like, okay, well, I've never rebuilt those before, but we're going to just go on faith and we're going to, we're going to figure it out. And then also, um, we need you to build this machine from scratch. We have just barely some ideas of what it's supposed to do, but we believe you can do it. And they just <laughs> turned me loose on it. So there is a lot of experience I can draw from in that department of creating something from nothing. Um, and so that's what I am able to draw from. Um, it's just a different medium, you know, instead of working with mechanical things, we're working with, with wood, but there's a lot of the same using your creative skills, problem solving, figuring out how to use the right materials in the right way. So there's a lot of that stuff that crosses over. And I feel like that really set us up to be able to create the, the high quality furniture, cabinetry, and the things that we do. Quality and excellence and craftsmanship has always been one of our driving factors. Um, Michelle is a perfectionist and she's great at <laughs> helping me navigate through like, let's make, you know, let's do it this way. Or did you notice this thing or notice that thing? And we're like, and so that marries into making some really great stuff. Now, I, I don't want you to think that I'm jumping on you here, I promise, because obviously you're building beautiful furniture. I've seen your work. You have clients that respect your work, but I want to get into the technical side of furniture building yeah. for a little bit. For example, you said you built a live edge table mm -hmm. yeah. and building a live edge table on the surface seems like an easy thing to do. You have a piece of wood, you sand it, you finish it, you put legs on it, you give it to the client. But there's a lot more technical knowledge, behind the scenes knowledge that you need to know about that. Correct. That people starting off don't really know at the beginning of their furniture journey. And it's something that you learn over time with trial and error and just overall experience. But you don't know that at the beginning. Same with built-ins, whether it's better to use solid wood or ply or the right paint to use or the right hinges to use. Yeah. It's all a learning experience. Yeah. And again, I, I just want to make it clear, you are doing it well, but I just want to learn how you learned how to do it well so fast to be able to make this quality furniture and to make these clients continuously happy when you're delivering their pieces of furniture to them. And sometimes it's probably the first time you're building that kind of piece of furniture. Yeah, I think so. Some of the resources that I've drawn on, uh, aside from like actual trial and error, learning and experience that way is, um, you know, there's lots of great books that you can read, lots of woodworking books. There's also a ton of great YouTube content. There's some great builders and they publish how they do stuff. So the first set of cabinets that we built for my sister-in-law I watched uh, Bourbon Moss, How to Build a Cabinet video, and he goes through step-by-step step on how he builds them. And I, I understood what he did and applied a lot of those same principles and put together my first set of cabinets and was really happy with how they turned out. And they're still standing and functioning beautifully <laughs> and perfectly. And Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were just kind of building from there. Like, you know, what kind of tweaks do I want to do? Like when I see a cabinet, how do I want to build it? What makes, can I make it more efficient? Can I make it stronger? You know, um, applying some of those things to it. And I think, you know, there's so many nights we're sitting here, you know, on our phones researching or on the computer, like, especially right before an upcoming project, we're like, what do we need to learn 
to make this even better than maybe we could have made it on our own and just kind of see, um, we don't want any surprises when we're building something. So getting all the resources and knowledge we can is really important. So you said you're both sitting there researching, looking on your phones, looking online, reading books, and (laughs) overall learning how to build the furniture and build your company so you don't have any surprises, which is a good thing. You don't want surprises on your furniture projects. I know that firsthand, and I know a lot of people listening would also agree that there is nothing nicer than a project going smoothly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the truth is that it doesn't always go the way you want, unfortunately. Yeah. How are you dividing up the workload and what you're both doing and what you're both learning and what you're both bringing not only to the conversation, but the actual project and the actual building and the actual installing and customer service. Mm -hmm. So on your projects, you have as few surprises as possible when you're actually building and working on a client piece. So we split it pretty well. Um, I would say I'm the beginning I, you know, schedule the clients and then together we go meet them and talk through everything and then I'll come home and design. And that's where Mike comes in with his ingenuity and helps me not only, you know, I want it to be beautiful, but he wants to make it functional and make it work the best it can. So that's where we really start, you know, working together. And then from there on, he builds it 100%. Um, I do none of the power tools and none of that. (laughs) And um, then I come in and finish it. So all the staining or lining up the painter, paint is the one thing we just don't do yet. Don't do paint. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle works like if it's going to be a stained piece, she'll work through the, you know, finding the color, the the stain, how she wants the finish to look, do samples, work with the customer and be like, give give them uh, samples to look through and get their approval and you know, that, and just that part is a huge process, just getting the color to be what you, you can probably agree. <laughs> getting the color you want out of a piece of wood is a, it's a whole art in itself. And Michelle does a really great job of getting, you know, a warm toned piece of wood to pull kind of a cool tone. And that's <laughs> sort of, sort of her gift is just making those uh, wood fibers uh, do what they're supposed to do in her eyes. Well, and I've done hair for over 20 years. So, you know, coloring hair is actually really similar to coloring wood. It's very, it's very funny how it works out, but um, the whole, you know, underlying pigment and all that. And so I find it super interesting and I just love doing it. (laughs) Yeah. You're good at it too. (laughs) You know, as weird as it sounds, they are both natural things, organic things, hair Mm -hmm. and wood. And yes, there are a lot of differences, but you know, I could see, I, I never thought of it before, but I could see how there would be some similarities between the processes. So I, I do understand what you're saying (laughs) and you don't want to mess up on the building and the same with the finishing because the build could be perfect, but if the finish isn't, then that piece isn't going to make anyone happy, you or the client. So Mm -hmm. both parts are equally needed and important. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Like he never wants to mess up the build part and I never want to mess up the finishing part. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's move on from from hair dye and and wood finishing and let's talk about how you're getting clients because and this really caught my eye about your company and something that I wanted to talk with you about you don't have 
a website. You don't have a website for your business. You're fully getting projects from your social media. So let's talk about that, how you aren't using the standard idea of a website and instead just using social media as your sole source of client-facing marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think we sort of just adopt the principle of like word of mouth is your greatest asset and you do a project and then you do a project and do a project. And what's great about Instagram is you can post all your projects and people can see it without having to go visit your client or something. So it's really a powerful way to show all the stuff that you're doing. And so it's kind of also like word of mouth where, but it just goes through the internet and all over everywhere. Um, and Michelle has just done a fantastic job of recording everything that we've done. She does all of the social media, every picture, every video. Um, she totally takes that on as her role. And I just, she asked me questions and I just try to support her, but it, that, it's her thing. <laughs> I have to ask him like the technical terms for woodworking, you know? Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, Instagram, I mean, it's free, right? It's free advertising. And where we're doing this part-time, we, you know, we just thought it's not the time to make a website. Um, but it's amazing how many people reach out that see our videos and locally, you know, even that we don't know. And it's really the best advertisement because like Mike said, they can see it. We try and film up close so they can see every little detail and it's just worked out well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I know some contractors who they, they're like, I don't advertise at all. I don't even have a sign on my truck you know, plumbing contractor, tile contractor. They're just like, you just do good work and put it out there and you'll get calls. And I 100% agree with that. You said something in that that I want to follow up on and I I don't want it to to get lost in that. And that's about local clients seeing your work on Instagram, on your social media and Mm -hmm. contacting you because of that, because they're local and they know you're local. Social media is a big thing. And when you post something on it, you don't know if your next door neighbor is going to see it or if it's going to go to somebody all the way across the world. So how have you been really localizing your content? So yes, you are growing a following, but you're also able to to capitalize on that following mm-hmm. who are local to you and could be potential paying clients for you. Um, I would say some of the people that we've worked with, they have been so great about posting our stuff as well, you know, on their Facebook or their Instagram. And so I think that's helped a lot. You know, we did this project under the stairs for a client and um, redid their closet and they, you know, shared it and told people about us. And we actually got our first really big job from that. And it was a full custom kitchen that we just finished and um, then they just tell more people and it trickles down. Yeah, it seems like I think all of our clients so far decide to follow us on Instagram, which is cool. And then their followers see and start following. So that's kind of like that word of mouth, right? Where they're showing their friends and sharing it. And then their friends start following us. And then, you know, before you know it, they're calling like, hey, you know, I need something done in my house. So it's been really cool to see. Yeah, we really appreciate when people do that. Yes. (laughs) So you're basically saying that it's less about you 
and your social media, trying to target your local audience from your posts. And it's more about getting the local clients that you do have and you are working with to post on their accounts. So they reach their followers who are usually local friends and and that's how you're getting your business for the most part. Yeah. Is there anything that you're saying to your clients or asking them to do to make them want to post more about the projects that you're doing and so you can get these new clients or are you just building it and walking away and waving goodbye and, and hoping that they're they're posting about it it's pretty it's just sort of organically happened um we've they've we, been so they seem really they seem really excited about it Which and having love. having their project posted by us and then they'll share the reel or the post that we make and it's been really fun. Like it adds a really fun element to the whole thing to see their excitement about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell just by talking with you both that you're really enjoying what you're doing. You're happy about it. You're having fun. You're basically loving building furniture and working with the clients that you have. Yeah. But there is a less fun part of the business. And that is the the pricing part when money comes into play because you always want to make a client happy. But sometimes what a client wants and what their budget can afford and what a piece of furniture actually costs for you to make it and what you need to charge for it doesn't line up. And that can be an uncomfortable part of the process. Yeah. As you continue to expand your company and grow your skills and by extension grow your pricing, you're probably going to have more and more of these uncomfortable conversations. So how are you pricing your projects Mm -hmm. properly to make sure you're making money, but you also still have clients? How do I price it right? (laughs) We've, We've learned a lot from our first year. Um, I think the first year we had that worry, like if we price it too high, somebody will say no, and then we don't have anything to show. And so we did, you know, go lower, um, or our time took way longer than we thought. And so we didn't make very much money, but to us, that was kind of key because it was our advertisement and it was how we would get the word out there. But then, you know, after about a year doing that, you you work really hard and you don't make much. And (laughs) going forward, when you get busier, you do shift and adjust. And we did reach out to some bigger woodworkers on Instagram that have become really good friends. And they get some advice. Yeah. They helped us with, you know, the pricing and some different ideas on that. And that really helped us a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of value in like just asking questions you know, to the right people that you can, you can, you can trust. And, um, it's been really cool to see the social media community has been so encouraging and positive and there's really good people out there that are willing to, you know, answer questions and and help you out. If you're getting started, which I think is kind of where your question is maybe to help somebody that's getting started is try to really figure out how long it's going to take you to create X, Y, or Z. And so I spent an afternoon or a couple afternoons and was like, what does it take me to build a cabinet carcass? What does it take me to do the doors? What does it take me to do a drawer box? So I try to itemize it out a little bit to give me an idea. Like it takes this many hours to create this. And then you can kind of uh, play that out over, you know, two, three, four, five um, different boxes and stuff like that. And so I feel like that was really helpful just to figure out like with my shop layout with as efficient as I am in there and uh, figure out, you know, what it takes time-wise 
and then you got materials and then, you know, have profit and margins and all that. So Mike definitely spends a lot of time uh, pricing out materials before a job, like probably more time than anybody. <laughs> he, because, uh, you know, it's like, that's a huge component of your um, quote, basically. And so he really puts the time into every drawer slide, every hinge and tries not to miss a single thing because that can add up a lot in the end if you've missed two things. Which we've done. We've Some, you know. <laughs> learned, learned that the hard way. It's like, oh, I forgot to include the cost of the drawer slides. Well, <laughs> Dang it. there goes a couple hundred bucks, you know. <laughs> so we've learned from experience on, on that a few, a few times. But, you know, it's chalk it up to education. Yeah. You are both relatively new to this industry and building and running a business together are new things for both of you. Mm -hmm. But you've seen great results so far and are booked out and continuing to get more and more clients and continuing and continuing to grow this company. So you're doing something right and that's amazing. And you're also doing a lot of research and reaching out to people and learning about the industry and where you should be taking your company based on what other people have done in the past. So with that background, is there anything that you could share from your experiences so far for people who are looking to start their own business or for people who are looking to run their business better? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm thinking just right off the top of my head, right is to not let the fear stop you because it's always going to be there. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to doubt if it's going to work. Can I make it work? Do I have the time? Do I really have, you know, the doubts are just going to come, but I would say, don't let that stop you. Use it as motivation to get to the other side and then you'll find out yeah. either, either you can and you will, or you won't. And that'll be okay. You know, and don't, don't take on the biggest project for the first one, you know, work yourself into it. And I think one of the most important things is that client connection because people want to feel like they're heard and that you really know what they want. And so I think giving them the peace that they were hoping for just makes the world of difference. And, you know, treating their furniture piece like it's a work of art and making them feel special. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, for us, it's not about you know, making a ton of money or making sure our profit margins are right. It's like, honestly, like we want to know, like when we give the product to our customers that they love it yeah, and that they love working with us and that that's been a positive experience for them. Um, and I think that's pretty powerful. That's really helped us grow our business is that personal relational, you know, thinking of, you know, every, every customer as like, they might be the only one in the world right now. You know, like it's not like let's hurry up and get their job done so we can do the next person's. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I appreciate you sharing the rest of the advice that you have during this episode. And I want to thank you both. I really do. And I, I wish you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Ethan. Appreciate you having us on. I still can't believe you wanted to talk to us. This has been like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. 
You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.